This is Splice. You, you do a, a podcast as well, right, Pankaj? Yeah, I do it. It's called Outliers. Ah, very good. Oh, very Malcolm Gladwell of you. Let's do this. I, I, know, I know you're kind of flying blind on this one, Pankaj. I, I don't think I gave you very much information about what we're doing here. Uh, but since you're a pro and, uh, <laughs> and, and you let us in on the secret that you've got your own podcast, I figured you would know how to roll with this one. Sure. Any questions before we go? Everyone happy? You have the questions. <laughs> that is true. Welcome to Splice Pink. I'm Alan Soon, one of the co-founders of Splice Media. I'm Rishad Patel, the other co-founder. Pink is where we have quick conversations with people across the global media ecosystem. So it's folks like media startup founders, tech, data, design folks. There are investors, there's journalists, there's media development folks and funders and donors. There are product managers and people who teach and study media, like academics. And today we're speaking with Pankaj Mishra, co-founder of Factor Daily, based in Bangalore, India. This is a five-year-old media startup whose mission it is to make sense of technology's impact on the society around us. At least that's what it says on the website. Is that accurate? Absolutely. I'm so happy and thrilled to be here. Alan, Richard. So when, when you started the company about five years ago, what was your intent? Exactly what you said. Uh, what was happening was the technology's impact on society, technology and science, was, was very underreported in this part of the world. And I'm sure it is the case uh, everywhere else. That was 2015 when we actually registered the company. And uh, we realized that uh, things were getting lost in the news cycles, uh, either they were about consumer technology gadgets or they were about social media or they were about politics. But the intersection of technology and society is something that fascinated us. And it also made us very restless because we saw what was happening and what it was doing. And there were two aspects of uh, the, the interaction, I mean, the intersection that I'm talking about. One is the dark side of technology where it weakens the weak uh, and creates all kinds of troubles. And then there is this illuminating side of technology where it empowers, where it shines light, where it democratizes information. So this is broadly why we got into this. But it, uh, Pankaj, it, that's beautiful. But And it segues directly into what you're saying um, on Factor Daily, uh, especially your 2.0 version of it, which is exciting to read. Um, what struck Alan and I most of all was the idea of no more publishing cycles that you would publish when you had something to say. I mean, apart from, you know, uh, other, you know, flying in the face of, you know, the crowd wisdom of how the publishing machine works, how has this, what has this saved you in terms of cost and benefits and, and, and just that pressure of no deadline? When we decided that we don't want any news cycles or we don't want to be having any publishing cycles, the idea was not to cut cost or you know, bring any kind of operational efficiency or anything like that. The core idea was we wanted to do we wanted to apply a project approach to journalism and on topics that matter. 
and we did not want to be a slave of news cycle or a publishing cycle wherein if it is a daily we are thinking every day in the morning i'm getting up and saying hey what i'm going to be putting out today or if there is any development uh, i have to make sense of it like a, you know almost like a fast food joint uh, and and we didn't want to do that I, i have had two decades in journalism across all the newsrooms and uh, it is very liberating uh, it is liberating not because of efficiencies and costs but it is liberating because it allows you to focus deeply on things that matter and in in kind of a time, timeless way i can see the 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 merit to that you know being able to take 10 steps back and really get to understand a story and you know instead of feeling like you need to break that story uh, immediately right at a time when everyone else seems to be doing the same thing um but i i think maybe one of the biggest challenges in this is trying to engage your audience if people come with a certain expectation that every day they'll get an email newsletter from you for example with an update or something how how do you keep in touch with your with your audience if you're not there in their faces and they don't know when your next story is coming so first of all we are few months old into this approach we are again a startup you know it 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 is it is a journey that never ends every time you you try something new you become a startup right and that is what is happening uh to answer your questions there are a couple of things we are seeing uh first of all i think it's also about habit formation and setting the expectations right we did this because we wanted to tell our audience or at least people who care for what we do is hey don't expect us to come to you every day uh we will come to you when we have something to tell you and that happens through newsletter that happens through uh you know continuous dialogues we have we have an engagement journalist on our team she worked with marshall project uh, pro publica and this is i would say i don't have a perfect answer so far because like i said we are listening and learning but i think it is about having a community approach to journalism and especially with if you know if you are tracking some deep topics uh you you kind of listen to them and it's not just your readers uh as part of this approach for every topic we also collaborate with uh the social sector organizations that are working in the grassroots uh, in different areas because you know to be honest uh, as journalists we don't have that depth of domain expertise so uh, we we are tapping into audience communities that we never had access to I I wanted to ask you of course the question that uh, possibly all of your stakeholders and all of your teammates and all of your audience and all of your community asks you no ads no paywalls <laughs> what's what's going on there this is exciting <laughs> it is it is exciting and 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 one way to describe it as i always do is it's very liberating and uh, you know no ads because uh, we all know the troubles with ad it you know you are actually looking at the advertisers and uh, you kind of start shaping your product to suit them and by that i don't necessarily mean anything unethical uh, you may be following journalism but as a product builder subconsciously your mind starts thinking about advertisers 
and you try and bring features, you try and get into activities that is going to be relevant for your advertisers. That is one. Subscription. I have a very different thought about that. I believe subscription is a new advertising. And the reason I say that is because, you know, if you are a subscription product, you are chasing big brands, uh, especially whether it's a university or a large company, you are looking at bulk, subs- bulk subscription you know, uh, sale. Now, you know, the same thing plays, uh, I, I feel, and I have seen that in many subscription products. You start thinking about subscribers. Again, there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, every time you let the mission go out and get dictated by people uh, who pay for it in that sense, and don't get me wrong, I feel it is distracting for a product. So if, if let's say if there is a big technology company and it has a 10,000 subscription, my ability to either question them or anything else, or if I'm adding a new feature, I would think about, okay, so can I increase the coverage in this direction? Because you are looking at data, just like you would look at a dashboard in the advertising world, right? And, and for me, that... And, and I don't have anything, I'm, I'm not, I have not been to a journalism school, I haven't studied data, but for me, that dashboarding is where the problem lies because I start building a product according to that data. And, and that is why we don't have subscription. Even in Factor Daily uh, 1.0, we didn't have subscription. We had people writing to us and saying, uh, I feel guilty reading this for free. Why don't you ask for money? I said, you know, if you want to give us money, uh, here is a link to donation. You do that. But uh, that's about it. We won't put it behind a paywall. Not putting behind a paywall is also because we want our journalism to reach more people. We believe that if I want to do something in the public spirited fashion, I need to keep it open. I cannot be a subscription product and say that this is public spirited. How is that public spirited if people who need it can't access it? Uh, It's not just about money. It's about creating a wall. Perhaps in a few years, we will reach a point where we will learn some new things and and, and rethink this. But it won't be ad or subscription at all. And and definitely no VC money, as as you say on your website. Um, I thought what was also interesting is that as part of this pivot, you are now a nonprofit newsroom. Um, a Section 8 company incorporated in, in India. What benefits does that give you? And does it address a, a problem with the, with the business model? I'll give you a very honest answer. When I, you know, it doesn't matter whether I am for-profit or non-profit, as long as I'm in control of my mission. To be honest with you, I could have done it uh, being or staying the course that I was, as long as I have the control. We did a non-profit just to ensure that we don't have any distractions that you face when you are for profit. And by distractions, I mean all of these things, uh, you know, tracking uh, reader metrics, uh, you know, thinking of uh, a bunch of revenue models and keep getting consumed in that, those battles. We didn't want any of that. Uh, so we are non-profit by choice because we believe it's the most suitable cloth to wear. <laughs> we are product people, Alan and I at Splice. 
um, we like to experiment with not just audiences, but content and obviously formats. And we're excited by, uh, by how our audiences are responding to those products. One of those products is a newsletter and one, um, our newsletters. And uh, one of the ways we measure that success or that response is open rates. You, I know you have an opinion on open rates. You moved away from MailChimp and you're embracing review because of your privacy commitment. How do you, how do you, uh, what's your view of open rates? Just to give an update, we are perhaps moving away from review as well. Oh, that's another story in itself. And it, it's, for, it, it's, it's for a bunch of reasons, uh, privacy and, and data included. <laughs> uh, but, uh, and, and you will see a newsletter product from us very soon. Uh, we are just putting it together. Also, in this new approach, what we are doing is we are creating audience communities under different focus topics. So it, it, it is not going to be a mass email newsletter product anymore. It has to be more conversational, uh, deep, and very focused. Uh, talk about open rates. Yeah, I mean, my news, views are the same. Any dashboard which kind of, I know I, I, I sound like a lazy person when I say these things, but it is not for laziness. It is, it is actually not wanting to get distracted by data and not becoming a slave of data. And I have spent 21 years in the profession. I have seen things uh, take birth and die on these dashboards. I don't want to be part of that life cycle. And you can call me lazy, you can call me trying to escape from reality or data, but I don't like that. You can ask me, you know, how do we measure impact? <laughs> exactly. That was what I was trying to get at. I was so excited I was going to interrupt you there. Um, yeah. How, how do you measure impact if you're, if you're not um, willing to look at any number, you know, any kind of metric, any kind of KPIs? First of all, as of now, I can't measure the impact because our definition of impact is, is really long term. And I'll give you an example, right? Uh, when we, for example, one of the story projects we are doing is on electronic waste problem. And one of the pockets we kind of chronicled is a place called Silampur, which is, which is near Delhi. I have been traveling there for five years now, meeting people and watching firsthand the problems that the society faces. Now, a, a good impact for us is after three years, five years, seven years, 10 years, there are some changes on the ground in Silampur. Uh, the, if, if, for example, the phone manufacturers become more responsible because we are questioning them and they start uh, taking more ownership of recycling in, in a good way or there is a new hope in terms of livelihood uh, for people who are involved in this profession uh, in Silampur. Uh, there are some organizations who consume our content and they realize this societal problem and they go about finding a solution to those problems. Or number three, our deep story and continuous tracking reaches the corridors of power and policy makers and there are some tweaks in the policies. Now, these things are not on dashboard. These things are not going to be found in day-to-day uh, -day or weekly or monthly reports. These are long uh, journeys so far as impact goes. 
Now, this might sound again like uh, really far-fetched and all of that, but hey, I mean, if I'm doing all of this, then this is this is an outcome of all of that. So, uh, having said that, uh, one of the things we are also doing is we have distribution partnerships with different mainstream media companies across different languages. So, we don't want... We are not obsessed with having you know people on our homepage and tracking the traffic and so on. We are distributing, for example, the Times of India, which is the world's most read English newspaper platform. Uh, they republish all our stories in English. Uh, in Malayalam, we have the biggest uh, Malayalam uh, language platform called Malayalam Anorma. They republish our stories in Malayalam. Uh, in a few weeks, we will have a Hindi language uh, publisher on board. So. See, what is happening is I'm, I'm taking these battles off my table, the battles of distribution, the battles of uh, commercialization. And I want to focus primarily on the mission, absolutely nothing else in a very naked way. <laughs> so, you know, the last time we spoke, we, I, I, I was very intrigued by how you were describing um, the atom of a story. Uh, you called it a product. You you said every story is a product. Can you explain some of that? Yeah, in fact, uh, I have a I have a post written on this topic for like <laughs> a few months. I haven't really published it. You know, uh, this is one of the learnings that I I had uh, after three years of Factory Daily, and when we were winding it down, I looked back at things that worked for us, and I looked back at it uh, very carefully. Over the past few years, I have also had the privilege to spend time with a lot of software product founders. And I realized that as media, we are creating value. Uh, we are creating value with our stories, our ideas, but all of that is unlocked by others. The so-called creator economy, or, or 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 whatever you want to call it, right? There will be a movie producer who will read a newspaper, figure out an idea, go about doing research, and then turn it into a movie. Someone would write a book, someone would build a documentary, and 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 so on. So so when I say every story is a product, I I mean that it is an IP. And when we look at media, mostly we are looking at business models as ad, subscription, and, 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 or, or branded content and so on. In our experience, in just few months, we have been reached out by a bunch of people who, have, who want to turn our stories into web series, documentaries, and they are ready to put the money on the table up front. So that got me into thinking. So how, how do I think of stories as an IP? And, and this meant everything from uh, creating a contract to licensing an IP, you know, story as an IP and so on. So that's uh, a massive learning because, the, you know, if as media, we think of every story as a product and by product, I mean uh, some, something which talks to an audience, a particular community. Uh, it 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 has the potential to uh, become habit forming and it can uh, have enough value in it for someone to pay for it right i mean broadly these are the things <clears throat> you know how you would look at product uh, and 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 
when I look at a story like Silampur, for example, it is a product for us. It is not <clears throat> a narrative. It is a product and uh, show don't tell. Uh, we are now licensing it out. And, and that is what I meant. And I think <laughs> the media landscape is full of doomsday. People are dejected, especially in this part of the world. I mean, in India, there, were, there have been massive layoffs. Uh, we are not being able to attract young, promising people into the profession because senior editorial leaders, they are looking at this as their last jobs and they are discouraging people. That is bad. And one of the reasons I quit mainstream jobs to build Factory Daily is because I am so much in love with this craft. Now, if we put out uh, from our experiences things that are working, not just the stuff that is broken, Hopefully, if, if someone wants to uh, look at this as a serious profession, as a product builder, they will look at this as an alternate profession. That, you know, what you're saying here, Pankaj, speaks directly to the, to the heart of what we do at Splice. I mean, for us, you know, to have, for example, this, this audio interview with you or this conversation, uh, you know, to us, this translates directly into, into knowledge for our community. And if it's something that our community prefers as text, we I we would definitely dump this in this Descript, which is a little plug for this amazing tool out there, and and transcribe it, and run it as a story. If it's if it's uh, you know worth a community discussion, we'd put it on Google Meet and invite people to chat with you, you know, about this, and so on and so forth. And I I hear you about product. I'm curious about how. You know, stuff like, uh, you know, actionable tips uh, for listeners. I mean, could you tell us about the, the strategy behind um, how newsrooms should think about um, reinventing themselves as a nonprofit entity? Um, <laughs> I will try. Uh, because everything I, I know... Uh, I'll, there is no playbook as such. I'm still learning and, and, and all that. But very quickly, I think one of the things is, I think we need a more sense of pride in what we do. What has happened over the years with uh, platforms threatening the mainstream media, Google, Facebook, and so on, is that there is a lot of dejection out there. Uh, we have kind of lost sight of why we exist as media. And what is our role in the society? What is our social contract with the society and our readers? What is our social contract with each other? And this has happened because of many reasons. Uh, you know, the, the, everything from fake news to polarization, all of those things have got us where we are. And, you know, last but not the least, the whole dis platform uh, disruption that has happened. So the, the point is, first of all, we need to gather a sense of pride in what we do and why we exist. I think that would be a good starting point to think of a future where there is hope. Because now the problem is it is absolute dejection and hopelessness. So that is the first step, I would say, if it's a newsroom or if it's someone in the profession. Be proud of why we exist and, and, and why we matter. What is our social contract with society and our readers? The second thing is, who reads us or who consumes us is more important than how many. And this is, again, uh, nothing new. 
and this is a battle which uh, platforms have won because of the deep analytics they have had because of their algorithmic engines and so on. And a conventional media cannot fight that battle, right? So who is very important? Over the years, newsrooms have not spent enough time in engaging with their reader communities and audience communities in making them feel being part of this newsroom. This is kind of an ivory tower, which needs to change because suddenly you go out and you tell your audience, hey, you pay for my product. What is the relationship you have? One of my problems with this subscription wave is that people are leapfrogging it. People who transition from print to digital to, to this new, new way. What if I just come to your door one day and ask for money? Cold calling. I don't know you. You don't know me. So I think the, one of the important building blocks, according to me, is to first build a relationship. If I know you, you know me, and I feel that what you do is valuable, I will pay for it. I will perhaps pay more than what you are asking me. You know, this whether you know people are charging everything from a dollar to thousand dollar and so on. Perhaps I can give you a couple of thousand dollars a year if you know I have this relationship with you. That is missing. And, and that's a very important thing missing in most of the subscription products, especially in media, because they are an outcome of what VCs, the disease that VCs have, FOMO. And, and this FOMO is now driving uh, a lot of companies to subscription and, and, and so on. So that is the other thing I will say. And the final thing is every story is a product. And by that, I don't necessarily mean every story uh, that you do every day, depending on your news cycle. But if you are going to be looking at a funnel of ideas and stories every month, you kind of handpick one or two who have the potential to become product. And you disproportionately invest your time and efforts in seeing it through, taking it through the entire product life cycle from idea to or, you know, community to monetization and everything around it and ring fence it so well that Others cannot unlock value from it. I mean, get more possessive about uh, those ideas and story products. You know, have that sense of obsession about it. And, and yeah, that's how I would sum it up. I love a couple of things that you said here. Our listeners can't, can't see us, of course, but I'm sitting and nodding like as though my head's going to fall off. But, you know, what I'm excited by, two things that you said were, um, you know, one is that you earn your uh, conversation and with your audiences, you earn that relationship. You don't just your your opening gambit isn't hey that'll be five ninety nine please you know as a subscription model. And the second thing you're saying, which also again speaks right to our DNA, and of course you know we're um, also very exciting is the idea that when you want to scale, you do it by doing things that don't scale. You, I love that you said you invest a disproportionate amount of time and effort in building a story that you see has relevance and utility and value to your communities. And you build that out as a product. That's amazing. So speaking of relationships, if I could pick up on, on one of the points that you made earlier as well, um, what can we as Splice do to support the incredible work that you're doing and the thought process that you've put into it? And also, what can the can the community that's around us do to help you as well? 
Absolutely. I mean, and, and we should keep talking, talking first of all. And I think we need to form a collective wherein we are talking about these learnings in a more open way. One of the things that we don't do enough as media, whether it is new or old, is we don't share our playbooks. And it, it, is, it is a deterrent in, in kind of becoming better as an industry, as a collective. And I see that and, you know, everywhere. Uh, so I would definitely like, uh, you know, us to brainstorm more, uh, you know, kind of bringing field notes from the battlefield. Uh, we all have scars and we have trophies, all of that, right? But we don't exchange them. We don't, we don't bring it. When next time we meet, we should be proud enough to put both the scars and trophies on the table and say, hey, you know, I was there. And this is what I picked up. So next time someone else is going to that battlefront, they know how to deal with it. I'm not saying they won't be scars. You are foolish if you are still going to fight in this battle. But you will know uh, a lot about healing, right? You will know how to come out of it. And I, I think the role of one of the other reasons, and when Richard asked as to you know uh, why we are non-profit, is also to open source our learning without any profit objective. So you know uh, our company is called Source Code uh, Media from the time we registered in 2015. Uh, I think a good way to look at us is a, like a media lab. Stories are one of the outcomes. So every design tool, everything that we build, we plan to open source. Everything I'm telling you now, including this blog I haven't published about every story being a product, we will be putting it out. Uh, we have a kind of a process. How do you animate a story? Uh, we will put that out. So the point I'm trying to make is it, it, you will have all kinds of companies in media for profit and venture funded and so on. But I think the role for folks like us is to kind of keep bringing learnings on the table. And, uh, you know, these are exciting times to be in this part of the world. And we should, uh, as collective, become more proud about it. Hey, to more scars and trophies and sharing them better among the community, uh, we're all for that. Pankaj, thank you so much for, for hanging out with us and, and teaching us all these lessons. Um, we're very grateful. We hope Fact Daily does a lot. We'll be watching you and let's have those conversations. That's a wrap for this episode of Splice Pink. If you like this podcast and want to get more, please subscribe. Better yet, share this with someone that you think would enjoy it. And get in touch. We're on splicemedia.com. We'll catch you on the next one.
This is place.